High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, all fans of part twos of a good bottle of wine or two bottles of wine, or how about a good slumber party conversation? Because that's what we have for you today. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. So, as I just alluded to, this is a sequel, if you will. This is part two of our two-part conversation on Valley Girl. And I know what you're thinking. Brian, why two parts? Well, if you're thinking that, you clearly did not do your homework, and your homework was to watch Valley Girl, one, it's an awesome movie, and two, listen to our Monday episode, and if you would have listened on Monday, you would have heard that my guests, Mike Manzi and the great Kate Hudson, well, they're both great. We, the three of us, got together via the interweb and had some wine, had some conversation, and we ended up chatting about Valley Girl for a raw recorded time of three hours and 20 minutes. And I knew you probably did not have three hours and 20 minutes to spare in the couple days between episodes. So I was generous. I mean, you can hear us really discuss and make the decision on this episode. But I thought I'd be generous and nice and cut it up for you guys in two digestible parts. So to recap, we talked Valley Girl on Monday. It was great. Well, we talked it all on the same night. You get it. We pre-record these. But the Monday episode was great. It was fun. And I think towards the end of it, you just started to get a sense of the tipsiness, if you will. (laughs) Um, Yeah, especially again from the wonderful Kate Hudson. Admittedly, I think her friends call her, and she calls herself sometimes, the Hudstrosity. So, yeah, it took a lot of editing work. I had to cut a lot out of the episode, and not just because it was, you know, too long, but because a lot of content, I'm sure, would offend people close to all of us. We do a lot of ribbon. We do a lot of joshing here. We have a good time. So if you are mentioned in the episode, consider it an honor, because some names we did have to redact. I'm looking at you, Keith Coogan, who's mentioned so many times here that if you took a shot every time we say his name, you might get as drunk as us. (laughs) And Joey Lewandowski, the godfather himself of the Cage Club Podcast Network. I want to apologize in advance. Kate's a little bit 
testy, a little bit angry in this episode at you for dissing Adventures in Babysitting. So apologies, and if you want to hear all about that, you can check out that episode, as well as all of our other episodes, as well as the podcast for both Mike Manzi, our guest today, and the aforementioned godfather, Joe and Lewandowski. Check us out at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. I was just getting into the, the parts where I tell you you can also listen to this podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Sorry, not Google Play anymore. Apple Podcasts. And of course, like I said, on cageclub.me, the home of our archive. And one other bit of homework I always tell you about, and I'm really excited to tell you about today, is class participation. Class participation is a huge part of your grade. Remember, you could participate by reaching out to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And guess what? Oh my God, we got one of my favorite, you know what? My favorite participation ever. You know how we're talking Valley Girl? The Valley Girl actually reached out to us and listened to part one of High School Slumber Party. We were so honored. I messaged Mike instantly. I messaged Kate instantly. Kate said it was like one of the greatest moments ever, and I can't disagree. Deborah Foreman reached out, and she had some answers for us. She said we got a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. So I'm going to go ahead and read her comments. That's right, again, the star of Valley Girl. Deborah Foreman, like, oh my god, reach out to us on Instagram. So here goes. Very fun, you guys, and thank you for the Valley Girl love. You're welcome, Deborah. To answer a question that was raised, where is the girl from Just One of the Guys? She's sitting by herself in the prom scene. That's awesome to know. I'm going to look for it next time. You got some information correct, and some not so much. But all in all, what a hoot you guys are. Keep sharing that love. Well, Deborah, I hope you're listening right now. I hope you listen to part two. And I hope we don't scare you away because we get giddy with our Valley Girl fun. But I had to ask her. First of all, I said, Deborah, you're welcome to come on High School Slumber Party anytime you want. And I mean that. I would love a Deborah Foreman episode here. We'd bring Kate back. We'd bring Mike back. And we would ask some questions and have the time of our lives. But I asked her, too, what did we get wrong? I was curious. And, oh, my God, the insight was amazing so here's what she said i didn't know the cast because kate had mentioned that a lot of the cast members knew each other i met them for the first time during rehearsals betsy russell was not in my chauffeur laugh face laugh face (laughs) just me as the title role i was from texas and now i'm back in my home state I did use the song for reference for my audition, and Nick and I waited till we wrapped up to spend some time together and realized we weren't a good fit. But movie-wise, an epic fit. Have a beautifully blessed day, y'all. Wow. So if you want to know the context for a lot of those things, I'm not going to fill you in on all of them. Listen to part one, and it would be weird if you just started listening to part two. But whatever. Deborah Foreman, blessed. Love that you reached out. Again, if you ever want to come on High School Slumber Party, you have an open invite. We have so many questions for you. More questions. And maybe you'll have more things to correct in part two here. Who knows? Oh, and she also commented on the poster, and it is indeed correct. That is not her in the Valley Girl poster, which we knew, but she confirmed Mike Manzi's suspicion that the girl in the original poster is actually the girl that Cage hooks up with 
in what is now the Viper Room or whatever, wherever they are in Hollywood. So that's super cool. Thank you once again, Deborah Foreman, for making all our weeks, for reaching out, doing your homework, and participating. A's all around for Deborah Foreman. One of the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I feel like I can't delay this anymore. I'm amped up. I'm jacked up for this. Once again, a warning and the language in part two. Uh, it's definitely R-rated language. It goes a little bit off the hinges. We say a bunch of F-words just like Nicolas Cage in the movie Valley Girl. So, yeah. Just be prepared. Put the kids to bed. And I'm going to leave you with a song, of course. The song will be from the Valley Girl soundtrack. Let's see. Which one should I pick? Oh, yeah, I like this song. This song is called Girls Like Me by Bonnie Hayes and the Wild Combo. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you see me over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Class dismissed. Okay, so there was a couple scenes I definitely wanted to talk about. And whenever this comes up in a high school film, I love to talk about it. And that's party scenes. So, of course, there's a party. I don't even know where. They say even say the address here. But there's a party that Cage and his buddy, who I love, crash like a true valley party. Hello. Hello. Having a good time? I'm trying. <laughs> Good. What are you doing here? Well, it's a party. Yeah, I know it's a party, but who invited you? Oh, wow, uh, you mean you have to be invited? That explains it. What? Well, everyone is dressed weird. See, if I had been invited, I would have known this was a costume party. Right. <laughs> Saw you once before, you know. Where? The beach. You? So what do you guys think of like everything that happens at this party scene? Cage gets into a fight. It's pretty cool. It's very long sequence, much longer than I remembered. It's cool though. It keeps going on. There's a lot happening. I especially love the peanut butter on the sushi. Just yeah. kidding. What the fuck is that? Like every time I watch this movie. <laughs> oh, I love that? I love the idea of sushi in this. Oh, I think about that all the time. You it's do so not, foreign. You don't eat sushi when you're drinking, motherfuckers. Especially not binge drinking as a teenager. It's just such a bad idea. I feel like that was something where, like, sushi was a pretty... Like, because you watch movies in the 80s, and when they talk about sushi, like, sushi, raw fish... What is that, yeah. bait? You know, they always say stuff like that. So, well, I mean, basically <laughs> just quoted Randy in the movie. Ra- oh, yeah, Randy does say that. But that's in, like, a lot of movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I feel like this was in the script. Like they eat sushi in the valley. Like they probably go out to eat sushi. They're probably not having it at like these drinking parties, but whatever. And they're like, "Oh, you gotta put sushi in the movie. People gotta know what this sushi thing is like." You know, my mom made sushi pie back in the eighties. What the hell is sushi pie? It's basically just like a giant roll of sushi which you'd cut into. And when she brought it to the Mormon potluck, nobody ate it, and she cried. Oh no! (laughs) Don't fucking bring. Don't bring a sushi pie to a Mormon potluck. That's on her. We probably get some good fresh fish up in Alaska. I'm sure it was tasty. No, no, actually, total side note. The better the sushi is, less fresh fish, actually. You want sushi to be like the fish to be a day or two old. You don't want it to be super fresh because it doesn't have as much as like a fishy flavor. Oh, good to know. You should check out the Jiro Dreams of Fish, I think, is a great sushi documentary. And also, I think sushi and the valley are also, they are 100% one-to-one. They have Sushi Row in the Valley. It's the best sushi in LA. Yeah, I was going to say, it's mentioned in the 2015 Zac Efron classic, We Are Your Friends, if I'm not mistaken. Like, sushi <laughs> in the valley, yeah, hand-in-hand. Hand. It is the best sushi I had in LA when I lived there. It was in the valley because it's cheaper real estate. So, like, all the sushi in, like, fucking, like, Beverly Hills is, like... Just gross California rolls served with like a firecracker. Do they just call them rolls out there? <laughs> well, there's maki, there's hand rolls, there's sushi. Yeah, it's a whole thing out there. But they still call them California rolls. They don't just say. The ro- oh, I get it now. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a bottle wine deep. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, again, love the sushi at the party. The stepmom, Mike, I texted you. Yeah. She's my favorite. You know, she's pregnant. In that whole movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Lee Purcell. Yeah. I thought, well, when I first saw the movie, like in 97, I thought it was Molly Ringwald. But no, it's Lee Purcell and she's pregnant. That's why you never see her midsection. Like, I think she wears like a silk robe and all that shit. Yeah, she's pregnant. Let's take a little segue to talk about like this whole angle with her and her stepdaughter and... Susie and Skip. What? Yeah. What did you think of the whole Skip and her element? It's kind of like a Mrs. Robinson, but pre-Stifler's mom kind of thing. So you enjoyed it because it honestly was our like one little sidetrack from the main plot. Susie getting laid? No, that's a full plot for Susie. Susie got laid. For Susie, yes, but the mom thing. It ends up being like kind of like a red herring. It's yes. a stepmom thing. It's a stepmom Step-mom, thing. Stepmom, stepmom, sorry. That whole situation tricked me. The Like, I fell for that the first time where you're supposed to think that, like, he's going to score with the mom, and then it turns out to be the daughter, right? Like, the, the one he should, they should be together. They're the appropriate matchup, I guess. Uh, but to me, I thought it was just, yeah, there's like the whole pool boy angle grocery delivery it's like a porno plot right like that's the joke i thought like all the porn that's filmed in the valley and everything i i thought they were going in that direction with it that's why it's so brilliant right because the guys think it's gonna go that way but i as a chick never thought it would go any other way than Mm. she did that guy i really think that's a red herring that's one of those things like okay well dude's because they're used to dude movies, think it's going to go this way. But, like, this was all about Susie getting laid. Like, that's Susie's hero arc. Susie got laid. And even at the end when Lauren's like, oh, what were you doing? At the end, yeah. <laughs> it's because she's getting fucking laid. Susie's on her own journey of sexual awakening. And I fucking love that for this movie. Dude, it's so funny when Lauren's like, where are you two? You get right? laid. <laughs> <laughs> 
magic. That's all Susie wanted was to get laid. I love it. And it's like, as a woman watching this, when she's like, plastic skip, like when he's delivering her groceries, like you can tell Skip's not into it. I think this is truly one of those things where Martha Coolidge subverted expectations for the dude yeah. that were supposed to be the default when they automatically read this is what it was. It's so funny too, but like the minimal amount of effort it seems like this dude's put in. And he's <laughs> like, makes one phone call and they're like, of course he likes you. He called you, didn't he? And like, you know, like, so you have to do so but that's little. How a girl, that's how a girl would think. I, if a guy yeah. called me, I'd be like, oh, skip. <laughs> I'm still not cool on him just like breaking and entering, basically like letting him in and on all the way up to the bathroom like that was a little okay but uh they both told him the taxi light was on so like you can't get too upset with skip for shooting a shot right. i thought it was paying like either like homage or criticizing again films like fast times or other films like even corman films where that kind of stuff happens like guys just enter homes and like don't care and like oh there's a girl who's naked in a bedroom you know so i thought it was kind of it was teasing me with that, and I really thought like it was going to be the mom. And again, as a first-time watcher, total switcheroo on me. I was like, oh my god. I, I had an oh-snap moment in my living room. Well, it's weird because I feel like they're directly referencing at one point The Graduate, right? Like she says plastic. Oh, 100%. You know, like it couldn't 100%. be more obvious. But that's like kind of weird because it doesn't seem to be referencing i mean at one point if you look close you could see on the marquee this was when empire strikes they were filming this empire strikes back was in theaters that was kind of cool but like that doesn't really riff on any other kind of pop culture in that same sort of way because it's so kind of singularly about the whole valley girl thing right like it's this whole thing so like that was kind of a weird moment where it's like Oh, it's okay, I guess. Like, that joke didn't really land for me, I guess, is what I'm saying. I almost wish that they tried to do something more of their own. I don't think it, that joke was for you guys, to be honest. Because, again, as a woman, or frankly, as a teenage girl watching this in, like, 98, I knew exactly how that would go down. I think that this is one of the ways Valley Girl sort of subverts the idea that the male is a default perspective and the default storyteller. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I thought it was cool. It was a weird side plot that this is not an ensemble film, so not that I was confused by you it. Don't I don't think was... so. I think it is. I, in the sense that every single character has their own background, and like Julie's parents will like remark on the march that they did. And like they're like, oh yeah, that one, not that one. Like I, I think it's a really great movie in the sense that every fucking character has a background and a story. And I don't think you get that mainly in teen movies and high school movies because it's typically like archetypes and that's all you get. Yeah, I think it does a much better job than a lot of the sort of male-centric ones. That's for damn sure. Mm -hmm. Like even John Hughes movies rely on archetype way too much. A lot of his villains are just like wearing an eye patch and things like that. And you know. You know, we don't have a lot of time to spend with these people, but when we do, like, we are not going into the home life of Randy and Tommy, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that because I know what's going on there. I, I don't even care, really, at this point. Like, I'm much more interested in what uh, things that I'm not privy to in my life, you know, like experiences I can't have that I can see through, you know, filtered through films and stuff. And yeah, I mean, all this is, uh, is what makes this movie, basically. But the thing is, is it shouldn't, right? I don't want to keep getting on my soapbox, but like there should be more fucking movies made for teen girls by women. Yeah, but I'm just glad that the ones we have are like what's incredible is that they're like A plus movies. Like that's what's 
so frustrating about it. Like that's I'm so far on your side about that issue is like be one thing if these movies sucked, <laughs> you know, but they're great movies like this clueless, like, okay, I could only name the two right now off the top of my head. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of the problem and everything, but they're these like incredible, perfect films in a way that that's uh, the problem is that women have, women have to make these perfect films. Like we're not allowed to have a fucking weird science in our oeuvre. Right. <laughs> That movie fucking sucks. But not to make this like a call to action, but... And we, we need to have shitty stories told by women about women that are allowed to fail. We're like, well, this movie fucking sucks. That's like Lady Bird. I think that I'm just kidding. Bad. That was more of a joke, but I actually kind of like Lady Bird. I just have a feeling that it's not as well liked as it is received. I don't know. <laughs> but that's the problem is like, how many movies are made about teen girls that aren't directed by women? Like we said earlier... I can't think of one fucking movie about a, a non-white chick. I really can't right now. Unless, like, we're talking about, like, House Party. And even then, it's about kid and play. House Party's directed by a woman? No, no. But it's but it's not about Oh, I mean, guys. yeah, there, yeah. There, are, there are some. Actually, have you seen Foxfire? That's one of, That was one of my favorite movies as a 12-year-old. Foxfire? Never even heard oh, of it. Oh, you can add that to the, the next Hudson 5 with Angelina Jolie and Jenny Lewis from uh, Rilo Kiley and... Ooh. Oh, it's so good. And um, oh, I forget her last name, but she was Angelina jo- Jolie's girlfriend at the time. Oh, that was one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. I definitely missed this one. Oh, this Ushimura, sucks. Jenny Ushimura, and then the chick who played the hairdresser sister in The Rock on the Embassy Comedy. You guys haven't seen Foxfire? Okay, add that to my list because I will absolutely <laughs> talk about that. Movie. Yeah. Hedy Burris, Angelina Jolie, Jen- Jenny Lewis. Wow, I can't believe the Jenny Lewis is in this film. I'm a big Jenny Lewis fan. Peter Fasanelli's in this film. Yeah! It's 1996. Um, and by the way, if you ever do True Beverly Hills, that's a Hudson movie too. See, I get drunk and I claim movies. <laughs> and then you invite Charlie on them. So, Well, I might invite the guy who plays Mike Newton or Keith Coogan to come talk about Foxfire. We never know. If Keith Coogan comes on this podcast, uh, oh my God, that'd be amazing. We love Charlie Talbert, but Keith Coogan was in Adventures in Babysitting. There's like infinity stones of like actors who I would like on here <laughs> to talk about random films. We got the Charlie Talbert stone. We love him. Dash Mihook is in fucking Foxfire, too. Who the hell is Dash Mihook? Oh, you know who Dash Mihook is. He danced with Annalena's Morissette in that music video. He was in fucking um, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's. Dash Mihook is a 1990s actor. The other day, I was like, the guy who plays Benvolio on Romeo and Juliet pisses me off. I literally said this today. <laughs> Today's Leo's birthday. Is it? Yesterday. Yesterday was. Oh, yesterday? Okay. You cannot do Romeo and Juliet unless you have a bunch of 90s chicks. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet. (laughs) Wasn't it Boz Lerman's Romeo plus Juliet? Yes. (laughs) It's a longer title than we all remember. (laughs) I watched that movie so many fucking times when I was 12. Because Jamie Kennedy, and I had such a crush on Jamie Kennedy. What? Oh, I love Jamie Kennedy in the 90s. Now I have to keep this in because... Oh my God, Jenny Lewis from The Wizard, Jenny Lewis. Wow, talk about full circle. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis. Amazing. Postal service. Jenny Lewis lived in my neighborhood in LA and I used to see her like occasionally. And I'd be like, that's Jenny Lewis. And she's very small and very pretty. Very cool. Very cool. (laughs) We went to the same wine shop. I won't say which one in case she still goes there. You won't plug it, but... (laughs) No, she winked at me when she clearly saw that I, as like a Jenny Lewis fan, saw her. She winked at me and like waltzed past me. I'm like, Jenny Lewis, you're so fucking cool. That's very cool. Jenny Lewis, very popular in this apartment. Lots of vinyl. I love her. uh, Portions for Foxes, greatest song of all time. So back to the movie we're talking about. What is it? Valley Girl, I believe. (laughs) 
Valley Girl. Yes, 1983. The thing I wanted to say about the party that like struck me so much as a first-time watcher was when Nicolas Cage has this fight. The fight looks real. It's great. We haven't really talked about the douchebag, right? Tommy? I think Michael Bowen. He's in uh, Kill Bill as a rapist that Beatrix He's buck and he him. likes to fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like breaks because I heard that Tarantino is such a fan of Valley Girl, he cast Michael Bowen in that movie as a result. Yeah, I read that too, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so Michael Bowen plays Tommy, and him and Cage get into a fight, and Cage is a real like raspberry on him after the fight. Even if it's makeup, it looks real, so it's it's awesome as hell. And then whether it's ethical or not, he decides to go back. Well, they they decide him and his friend go to go back to the party. And like the what felt like ten minutes, I'm sure it was two, but what felt like ten minutes of Cage in the shower, I loved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people were coming in and out of the bathroom, and I don't know. I I really was in. I was into that scene. What'd you guys think of that? So that like almost sets up my favorite. It like relates to my favorite part of the movie, but like did we get like this mini montage of like party goers coming in and out of the bathroom doing like all the different oh, things. So like so some are just talking, some are doing their makeup, but then like suddenly like a bunch of people are doing blow and like smoking cigarettes it and was everything. The 80s. It was oh the 80s. yeah. I thought that was a pretty smooth move for him to think like as a teenager, like, yeah, I'll just go hang out like in the bathroom. But then it was like, wait a minute, but like no one actually went to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they just didn't show it. (laughs) Oh, you think so? I don't know. People gotta go to the bathroom, you know, it's a party. They should have at least, like, put one of those in, I guess, or something. I don't know, at least alluded to it. But just the way it was, like, sort of uh, presented was just a little funnier to me because it was just like, oh, yeah, they're just gonna cut out everybody using the actual toilet. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty insane. And I love that there's, like, facial expressions when different people come in and then finally his lady comes in and he's like, all right, I can finally do something about this. Don't be afraid. What are you doing here? Do you have a death wish or something? That's what Fred said. Fred said? Never mind. You live around here? <laughs> like, this is very strange. What are you doing back here? I forgot my comb. Really now? Well, to tell you the truth, I kind of thought that maybe you and I could, um... We could what? We could get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't think you'd be any more welcome down there right now. <gasps> I mean, let's leave the party. I'm so sure. <laughs> Kill. I'll meet you out front. Wait a minute. Where are we going to go? I don't care. What are we gonna do? Anything. Okay, but I have to bring my best friend? That's fine. I'll be waiting for you. Because before that, there's that, like, oh, my God, is he just going to be, like, in this shower for, like, five hours until people fall asleep? That's what I was thinking. You know those parties that you're at that, like, maybe you fall asleep and you wake up and everyone's passed out? Part of me was thinking that, like, is he going to be in here until everyone's passed out? He wasn't a cokehead. If we had seen him doing coke, yes, he would have passed out and they would have, like, come to and seen Julie. But he was a man on a mission to bring Julie to his Hollywood Wonderland. And his Hollywood Wonderland. Okay, Kate, so I was going to ask you this as an L.A. expert, as someone who lived there (laughs) 
for, for a Hollywood while. is exactly like that. No, it still is. There's still like the elbow room. There's a place called Loaded. Like half my punk friends in LA were Hollywood punks. That scene is still very alive and well. It's been such a juxtaposition to me because I think Hollywood, bright lights, whatever. No, that's always been bullshit. Hollywood has always been the Hollywood that you see in Valley Girl. It is gritty as fuck. It's like Route 3, Brian, with like the lights and like all of the uh, establishments on either side. Like it really just feels like a strip of highway with like just extremely densely populated but like, i mean i don't i don't ever really sort of took to the glamour of it maybe because like i always think of guns and roses when i think of la and like that's always like you know, the that's perfect fair. hollywood trash <laughs> so like i think of like Rand randy um, like he's friends with slash like those randy. are his people yeah <laughs> i think randy is more friends with like the gutter punks who were also my friends in la <laughs> i had gutter punk friends in la and i love them dearly but hollywood is truly kind of like the last holdout of like gritty la go to the elbow room go to the burgundy room like there are places still in la where you can find people with mohawks and tattoos drinking like two dollar beers and it is glorious see we don't really have that in new york things called rooms <laughs> or just like that like swingers like driving culture let's go to the next place and drive our car to the next venue mm. you know what it reminded me of brian it reminded me of american graffiti a little bit right oh yeah you cruise the strip you get out you converse with some friends you get back in the car yeah, yeah. i love that when cages is like yelling at his friend like oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? i think that that culture really only exists in hollywood stall you can walk down hollywood you know the gutter punks you know the people who are like crashing outside i forget that fast casual restaurant i want to call it a denny's but i know it's not denny's like there are those people truly still and brian like new york is too much of like a subway system for anyone to want to like drive their cars up and down the island to get to the next bar or whatever have you you know that night yeah no for sure it's so different that's why i'm so fascinated by like la movies because they're so different than like going out in new york like taking a subway or like uber these days you know some of the places you see here remind me of places in brooklyn that you might go to whatever but like they're not it seems like if you commit to a neighborhood in L.A., you're committing to that neighborhood. You're not neighborhood hopping. Well, not necessarily. Like, you have to understand Hollywood is, like, literally the neighborhood below the valley. Like, you would just have to drive over the canyon or under the canyon to get there. But I think the more, like, sort of relevant point here is that that Hollywood still exists. That L.A. does not that valley does not but hollywood is still a little gritty a little more like you can find like a bunch of people coming together in hollywood still but that's not los angeles anymore stop being relevant kate we're not supposed to be an intelligent well thought out podcast (laughs) well i did just drunkenly tweet keith coogan for you if that makes sense (laughs) oh perfect what did you tweet at him oh fuck if i know Get on Discord immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I think I said, wait, I'll tell you guys. This is like one of those long meandering. Like, While you were on your Twitter hiatus, Keith Coogan started liking all of our podcast episodes for Adventures in Babysitting. (gasps) And and, uh, uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Okay, so this is what I said. At Keith Coogan, as king of 80s high school movies, any interest in coming on at High School Slumber Party? And I did in parentheses, high school slumber party, and talking about your favorite high school movie with us, Heart. Oh, yes. Yes. The groundwork has been laid. <laughs> Keith Coogan is a motherfucker. 
fucking legend. You know his uncle, Steve Coogan, not Steve Coogan, Uncle Fesser. <laughs> oh my Jackie God, Coogan. it would be amazing if Steve Coogan was... Oh, Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan was in 1925, the kid. He's my, my favorite child actor of all time. Oh, yeah. He was Uncle Fester, and Coogan laws are that your fucking, like, dirtbag, like, showbiz parents have to save 50% of your earnings as a child star to give to you later. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that he was related to that specific Coogan. Yeah. That's amazing. That's either his uncle or yeah, that, his grandfather. That's better, than, that's better than, I guess, Steve Coogan. What has Steve Coogan done for humanity? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Alan Partridge ABBA medley, but uh, yeah. it's probably the single greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. But. By the way, I will also drunk tweet Mike Newton. I forget the actor's name, but we both follow him. I will drunk tweet him and ask him if he wants to come in and talk Twilight for our last podcast. <laughs> yes. We need more of that. Kate, please drunk tweet all the people you can. We need them in High School Slumber Party. But uh, quickly, so we're talking about this little Hollywood escape because that's where Cage and his buddy takes the two girls. And I love this scene. I love that we've been recording for two hours. Like, Mike finally knows the true magic of a Kate Brian podcast episode. <laughs> I've been doing this for like six years. I've got, this, luckily, I've got the stamina built up to survive the encounter. Because I... I heard Joey talk shit about how long this takes. He's like, why are these always two-hour episodes? Well, that's what I was just going to say. At least Mike plays along and enjoys it, not like uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Joey, if you're listening, where Joey just shit on the movie while we were having a good time. I almost messaged you about this. I'm like, you better fucking tell Mike to enjoy this movie or I'm not going to be happy. (laughs) No, I knew Mike would. Mike, I know you would enjoy this. You wouldn't have signed up for Valley Girl. (laughs) I thought he liked that movie, or does he just like the opening no. of her dancing? See, he gave yes. it a C, and I was ready to rip his jugular out, and I say that with love to the godfather of this podcast network. <laughs> you know, Adventures of Babysitting could be a little dated race-wise. Regardless. <laughs> I love how chaotic this this whole podcast has been, and I'm like, do I get another glass of wine and be really drunk and hungover for tomorrow, or do I? I think I do, right? Yes, we vote for it, yes. Well, because, you know, my friend Emily, who used to write for Pajiba, I'm hosting her birthday party tomorrow for like five people. Where was the invite for me and Mike? Come on. Well, it's all in person and it's all like super fucking social distance. Like like, when I say three people, it's not a knock. That's literally all I can justify inviting. When is this tomorrow? I can't get to Chicago by tomorrow. Anyway, Brian, you're out of your mind. If you guys ever come to Chicago, though, you can absolutely stay with me. I have a guest room. We can do this live. I mean, that I feel like, yeah, once we're all like sort of vaccinated, I'm going Anywhere I can, so expect a expect a visit at some point <laughs> yeah. in the future. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting there. Post COVID, we definitely want to do a high school slumber party tour, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Mike, there's one thing I did want to mention, and I put this fact in red. It was an IMDb trivia. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. It says the club scenes where Randy takes Julie were filmed at the Sunset Strip Club, originally named Filthy McNasties, in the 1960s and 1970s. In the 80s, it was called The Central, but it was later purchased by Johnny Depp and is now known as The Viper Room. Where oh. I've been to shows there. I've been to a lot of shows there. It's like a two-floor carpeted club. I actually saw a pansy division there. Wow. And of course, famously, it's where River Phoenix infamously died oh, on Halloween in 1993. And Mike, you've cited that a lot. I've cited that a lot, of River Phoenix <laughs> dying at The Viper Room? You've brought up The 
Viper Room. On Johnny Depp's time? Oh, the Viper Room. Well, I mean, River Phoenix, first of all, shout out to my own private Idaho, one of like the greatest, such or, a great performance. Or Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, yeah, Young Indy, of course. But we watched Stand that for me. the Keanu uh, podcast, and they're terrific in that. But have I mentioned the Viper Room, but like specifically brought that up? I don't <laughs> remember, but... A couple times, yeah. Okay. I don't remember uh, at what context or uh, what episodes that was. I feel like you're... <laughs> I feel like you're really into River Phoenix. It has to be my own private Idaho, right? Because, like, that's where he died. Well, I'm sure you said it on that episode. But I'm oh, maybe Oh, maybe most recently on Nightmare on Elm Street because of Johnny Depp. I guess I was, like, getting on his case because of, like, the recent news about, you know, the truth of him and everything. So I was like, yeah, that happened there. Not good for your scorecard. I don't know. Uh, ultimately, like, it doesn't really... Uh, doesn't really matter so much to me but i'll tell you what that scene did did remind me of a venue we did have in new york city that i relished my opportunity to spend time at when i was a youngster but cbgb's CBGB's, kind of of what that club reminded me of you know cbgb's much more narrow for sure like an alleyway but same uh, vibe same sort of energy going on there it's a shoe store now unfortunately but of course CBGB Viper the Room is still there. Like the rumor is that they're going to tear it down in the next couple of years. But the, I don't think the Viper Room has anything to do with this movie. What was shot there? Was it? That's Did why I brought it up. It? I didn't just bring it up randomly. Oh, I'm a little drunk. <laughs> no, he just brought it up. He was beating me to the punch because he just expected me to bring it up. Because apparently <laughs> I bring it up a lot and I just don't remember. <laughs> The punk club they shot in was the Viper Room. Really? Pre- okay, but as pre- Viper that room. literally like five or six times for shows, and I did not recognize it, so... Well, when Johnny bought it, he renovated it, apparently. It's still a shithole, just so you guys know. At least in like 2018, the last time I was there, and I think it's still there now, it was a real shithole. It was great, though. <laughs> oh, so a couple other things I want to bring up in terms of scenes. We've talked about a bunch of stuff here, so we don't have to get scene by scene, but little segue... And we've mentioned them a little bit. The hippie parents. I love, love them. I love these hippie parents. Great. But I want to caution everyone out there. And this is my Alex P. Keaton theory. Everyone assumes that, like, oh, the old people are super conservative, but the young people are liberal. That, like, we're just going to keep getting more liberal and liberal. No. You could have an Alex P. Keaton generation. And it shows it in this film. You have hippie parents with, like, not that she's super conservative, but she's Reagan, certainly not... Reagan teens. They were Reagan teens. Exactly. The idea that we're just going to bounce to this, like, super liberal society, like, the, the further we go along. No. Watch movies like this. Watch Family Ties. This is what happens. And, again, another another example of it here when we see these awesome hippie parents who are like, do what you want. We own a health food store. By the way, I want that t-shirt that they have. But Me too! <laughs> God, this stuff is so gross. How could people eat that? Because it isn't greasy doesn't mean it's bad for you, dodo. Yuck. 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 You're a yuck. Oh, my God. I'm going to die. Julie, what are you doing? Are you all right? I'm humiliated to the max. Hi. 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 Randy, this is my dad. Steve Richmond. What's happening, man? How's it going? Foreman, how, how you doing? Great. It's great. He wants a sandwich. All right, yeah. Okay. Uh, what are you doing here? I wanted to see you. But why here? What's wrong with this place? <gasps> this place is so gross. I mean, all this stuff would taste like nothing. It's so good for you. What about your slope? 
That is a deep cut t-shirt. I, I always say this to my friends, like if you go on a date with someone and someone wears a, like a t-shirt theoretically that only you possibly know, they're either like a stalker or they're you your soulmate. Yeah, yeah you exactly. <laughs> well, I can just say this movie as when I first saw this movie, I was a 13 year old, like fledgling feminist little riot girl, but also still fucking raised Mormon. This movie watching her parents smoke pot I was like, oh, he's bad. But also it sort of chipped away at that wall of like evangelicism that I grew up in. So like, yay Valley girl. Like growing up, I never pictured parents being less conservative than kids. But then when you watch, well, I didn't picture it because my parents were more conservative than me. No, my parents were hoes. That's how they got together. But they were Mormon. No, my mom became Mormon after the fact because every 10 years she switches religion. Like by the time I was 15, she's like having fucking Passover and now she's like pagan. I didn't know that. So, I mean, that's cool. Is it? I mean, you got to expect, got a little like a, you know, class and religion in in your house. Yeah, but I had mormonism growing up which is like the most oppressive way to grow up i just I, like right now i'm picturing a wheel of all religions and like that's what she's you, just like spinning yeah that's basically it but that's what you drew as a teenager no i drew mormonism <laughs> from like zero until so the rule in my family was you can drop out of church once you're 14 and my older brothers didn't because they were go along to get along and i'm like fuck all y'all as soon as i'm 14 i'm fucking out so in the same way, like Valley Girl really led to me breaking out of Mormonism because I saw this wow. was like 13. I'm like, oh, they're having sex and it's not a big deal. Oh, they're having fun. It's not a big deal. That's why I love Valley Girl, man. So Valley Girl changed your life, is it fair to say? Yeah. Like I would not be six glasses of wine deep into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tripodicular. I uh, I got to say, like, I relate with this dad, you know, he, he smokes a lot of weed. I smoke a lot of weed. Like, <laughs> it was really funny. Like, I did not pick up on that in high school as much, or at least before <laughs> high school when I wasn't such a pothead, I guess. But what I love most about this whole situation is you see Julie's home life, like, we only see one other home life, and it's of the girl who's being raised by her Susie. stepmom, even. Not Susie. even, yeah, not even, like, her maternal parents. So, like, to see Julie's home life and stuff and, like, how, I'll say liberal her parents are and everything, or just her dad makes that great speech about what's on the inside that counts and everything that we try to see, you know, to do the right thing. She's just been given this completely non-judgmental environment to grow up in, and it I find it interesting that she's the one who looks outside of the norms for something more right when she meets cage and is willing to sort of put everything on the line for what she wants as opposed to what other people think is right and stuff like that so uh, i think they try to maybe 
get into that a little bit by making the parents hippies. It's a bit of a shorthand, uh, you know, a little loose change to say, like, at the time, people just thought hippies were these radical leftists, I guess, with crazy ideas letting their kids run wild. But their daughter turned out to be very level and, uh, you know, dig for herself, and she turned out just fine. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Mike, did your parents not consider themselves hippies? My parents were definitely, no, they were like insurance salesmen. Like, they, yeah. like I grew up with two insurance salesmen. Because my mom considered herself a hippie, a Mormon hippie, but a fucking hippie. Wow. I mean, my mom was like in high school, she went to high school in the 60s, but like, no, my parents, by the time I was being raised in the 90s and stuff, it was more about conservatism, I think, than anything else. All I know about Brian's mom is that she saw darkness in John Cusack and none of us saw it at <laughs> Very true. Also, like... Just like Danny Trejo. You saw <laughs> right? darkness behind those eyes. If Danny Trejo doesn't fuck with you, you need to not fuck with that guy. Mike, I don't know if you heard our episode, Kate and I's episode. What, wait, when did we? It was on Say Anything, yeah. It was like two months ago. Yeah, but I didn't remember which one. <laughs> we were going on two and a half hours. We're not... It's not going to be that long when I edit it. <laughs> no, it should be. <laughs> the epic Valley Girl Tracy. Sorry, go on. It's longer than the film. Twice as long really as the film. Is. No, but Mike, uh, so Cusack was recently on Mark Marin, which I suggest you listen to, Mike. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Joey mentioned this to me briefly. I, I don't know the whole uh, story, but uh, they go over the Trejo stuff, right? Yes, he basically explains why Danny Trejo said he was the toughest, and everyone on Con Air said he was the toughest MF on that film. And it's because you're gonna, you're not going to make me listen to Mark Marin. You're not going to make me oh, you can listen to- sh- uh, lock the door, you lock the gate. our podcast I- here, but regardless... You've seen Say Anything, correct? Yeah. So when he's so. when he starts doing ju- uh, what is it like kickboxing? Kickboxing, ju- kickboxing. Yeah, kickboxing. It's a sport of the future. future. But it's sport like of the future. yes, but it's like MMA style kickboxing. There, he's training with yeah. It's like Muay Thai kickboxing. Yeah. yeah it's like real shit. Yeah. So he's training with someone who's the like top trainer in the world for it. At the point where when he's does con air he like he's legitimately a badass he can kick anyone's ass and oh. that guy is from danny trejo's neighborhood and that guy told danny trejo oh. this guy could kick my ass so in gross point blank that guy has yes he has a scene Great with him Felix La Poubelle. go on yes and he has a scene with him there and that's his master and that master said yo john cusack is like one of the best people i ever had so it scared the wow. fuck out of danny trejo so that's the answer to wow. the thing so that question that you've always thought of why was he considered the biggest Love badass it. on Con Air? It's because of that. Oh, it makes perfect sense to me. I've always known about John Cusack's kickboxing fascination, whatever, what have you, throughout his entire... He's put it into, like, most of his movies. Uh, so that's that's awesome closure for me, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to listen to Mark Marin to, to hear all that. Well, you could have heard it on a high school slumber party as well. I digress. <laughs> if you were, you know, into what Brian and I do, but it seems like you don't support us, Mike. Oh, I didn't say I wasn't going to listen to that episode. I'm just saying I'm glad I don't have to listen to the Mark Maron one too. Like, I <laughs> oh, can just listen to you. I can just listen to yours guys' episode instead. Well, well we explained on. it anyway. <laughs> well, no, now I don't have this to do any magic. of that. But, I'm yeah. like six bottle glasses of wine in. Like, let's fucking talk about our feelings. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in terms of Valley Girl, I mean, I think we've talked like a fair amount, but I just want to bring it home. You know, she starts dating. <laughs> I can't believe we're only here. She starts dating Cage and it, it's all it's all great. But the main crux of this film is the fact that her friends don't support it because he's not one of them. We didn't mention that her asshole ex-boyfriend, Tommy. Tommy. 
he like Michael Bowen. Yeah, he tries to hook up with like a lot of women at that other party, including one of her best friends. He makes Lauren feel like shit about it and Absolutely. fuck him. Fuck by the him. way, Lauren's emotions, like wanting to be liked by the popular guy and then feeling used, like, oh my god, that hit home. I mean, I never did that because I was too full of myself to go to parties, but like it was in the ballpark. I mean, that's totally fair, right? And he's an asshole. He uses um, her friends, he uses her. And I don't even know why he, like, wants to get with her in the first place. show he could. To show he could. show he could, I guess. Yeah, it's a power trip, you know? Yeah, all it is, dude. In the end of the day, he's angling to get back with Julie Richmond. It's not happening. And until, like, he has to, like, basically convince her friends to convince her. So what I loved, and I don't want to say hated it, but... What I loved and didn't love about this film at the same time was the fact that her friends are able to convince her without us seeing, like, why. And on paper, you're like, oh, there's no real reason for her to break up with Cage here, right? But that's so high school. I know so many people in high school. Peer pressure. Exactly. So much peer pressure. I know so many people in high school who did this same shit. So, like, anyone who's going to be like, oh, we didn't see, like, a scene where they're not getting along or whatever. It doesn't matter. When you're a high school kid, that shit happens all the time the time especially sorry to jump in he didn't go to their school so he's not part of that ecosystem exactly he's an interloper and i also feel like we've been seeing her express her doubts or misgivings about doing this from the start like we know she wants to but there's always been that hint of you know is this like the right thing to do kind of like socially this is gonna even her friends say it's gonna like destroy her like you know don't even don't even entertain the idea and then this all wraps back around to I think it's just part of being a kid, right? Like, they're still teenagers. Like, they don't have, like, the mental faculty to necessarily deal with uh, these types of relationships, such intensity and and such brevity. So I think a lot of that is coming into play, and I think it's well represented in that we don't see them having, like, they're not both having a hard time, right? Like, it's, it's a shock to Cage that this has happened, that they're breaking up. But to her, like, this has kind of, like, been on her mind. And I think that's shown. I think by the time that happens, I don't need all the other drama that you might normally get. But you gotta give her dad props when she has that conversation. He's like, fucking figure it out, but I know what right. I do. And she knows the answer, too, but she still gives in to her, her friends who are, like, being shitty but to her friend's credit they know they're being shitty and Susie's checked out because she's getting laid by then so like it really does feel true to a high school relationship that's all I can say yeah like they're all also like falling into their own traps where they're they can't break from the conformity because they're having their own issues that they're dealing with they're going on their own journeys and they're and I'm sure they're trying to do it also but it's got to be it is scary you know it's a scary thing to be different especially when everything is so conformed in that place like it is so strange to look at it now sometimes it feels like a twilight zone episode or something or, like that where or, or like, a twilight movie episode go on <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so like there's sort of like a surreal element to like all of this really that's going on it's so sort of heightened and electrified to begin with yeah like it's just a very sort of uh, hard to manage situation you know i think for an adult too like it, it's it's hard oh, fuck, that. fuck who you like what's that thought well it's yeah hard. no that's what it i'm saying that, like i feel like fuck who you want and fuck who you like do it man exactly and like people still have trouble figuring that out i mean people will always have trouble to some level but you know she, they're figuring it out earlier and that's good so good for them <laughs> I love- she makes the right decision at the end <laughs> 
all I can say is I love how we've made our Valley Girl podcast like a like a college level four hour seminar, and this makes me so happy. Oh, it can't be four hours. Joey's gonna kill us. Um. <laughs> Joey, this is what like this is what I love too because Joe, we've done podcasts with Joey, and like I think we got under an hour and a half. Now, Mike, it's like two hours long. Let's talk about what clothes we wore in high school. So, really, Joey. <laughs> Your move, sir. <laughs> so, so let's talk about basically they're broken up and how this ends in a <laughs> like, classic prom scene. Yes, we still have to talk about the movie. I have a duty. One of the greatest like montages in film history. Which one? Oh, in this, yes! their yes! dating yes! montage. Yes! I'll stop oh. the world. Okay, so yes! we already got to the breakup. If you want to go back to the dating montage, we will. No, we don't. Ha- we don't have to. I just need to mention it, man. Because it like, is one it's of the greatest epic. ever. So let's talk about it. How did you like the dating montage? I'll stop oh, the world who, and melt. If you don't you. love it, you're dead inside. Like it just it shows the whirlwind perfectly. Like it shows what happens when you meet somebody. Like oh. I don't know if any, if you've been Ooh. through that or anything, but you know, from time to time, you meet somebody and like it's just like uh, you know, you both have like crazy brain. Like it just nothing oh. else matters except the two of you. And I think they did a really good job of uh, portraying that year, where like yeah. they're the yeah. only two people on the planet that that matter. I had a Randy in high school. Did you have a Julie? Or a Randy? No, perhaps. not in high school. <laughs> no, guy. but yeah, later. You had a Randy. Love- like he was from another part of Alaska, and he just showed up. He was cool as shit. He was punk. We used to drive around listening to music. It didn't end as great as in this movie, but now he's really happy. He's married. He like lives on a yacht and travels the world. He is cool as fucking shit too. And you're not on that yacht. No, but I still get emails <laughs> about how astrology matters. So like, he's cool as shit. And I think he has a special place in his heart for me too. Like, didn't you have that person in high school where you're like, oh, this is the end all be all. Like, this is the pinnacle of our relationship. And now we're like 20 years on and think people who knew me in high school were like nah kate's exactly where she needs to be but like some of those people (laughs) some people aren't and like there's something beautiful about meeting each other at our peaks i mean i'm all in favor of that it's the (laughs) was that too much no it just it made me go in like a segue in my head of all people i know and stuff high school college i don't want to get into it anyway to go to punk shows and like go to like midnight diners it was great he's a great dude in 30 seconds the alaska punk scene cool it could be okay okay (laughs) that's the best i can give you (laughs) we had a dude who's still at it okay to give a plug to like local um go matt hopper oh angelina and like you're basically gonna have like my high school soundtrack and you can get it on itunes matt hopper is probably 45 years old and probably not doing much. But Oh Angelina was the song in Anchorage, Alaska in 2002. Good to know. Good to know. I just pictured you, though, on a yacht. Like, with like, I'll stop the world and melt with you. <laughs> you know, no, like... Village Inn. Also, it's, Village Inn is like this West Coast chain. And by the way, I dated the guy whose family owns all those chains. That's neither here nor there. That's more current Kate Hudson. But it's like a Denny's. Like, we all hung out at, like, casual fast dining restaurants, like till 2 a.m. When you did it in Mary Callender's grandson, like, what was that like? Not great. Oh, I also, like, oh, dear. Oh, in high school, I had this guy who worked at a record store who didn't know I was underage, and I didn't tell him. I used to go out and, like, hang out with him. Ooh. We got really freaked out once he figured, realized I was much younger than he was. You've kind of yeah. alluded to this on previous podcasts. I'm glad you were uh, 
this is coming out today. Mike, you're you're in the presence of a good story. <laughs> like I, I was always really tall. I was five foot ten by the time I was thirteen. So like I always underplayed my age when I probably like now at thirty six. I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why were my parents letting me wander around a mall aimlessly for five hours? But like back in the day, it felt natural because you know I was raised feral. <laughs> well, that's what you did back in the day. That's what it was about. Valley Girl, the film we're talking about today. <laughs> so they've broken up at this point. She gets back together with the D-bag. But there's this whole prom scene that I definitely want to talk about. There's a couple moments in this prom scene. Mike, you talked about one already. We don't talk about it again. E.G. Daly and the whole, like, oh, the cups. I love that. And this junior prom scene. The teacher. I don't know why. I was so drawn to this teacher. You know, you know who I'm talking about? Who gets up there, starts talking about the one, the one who gives the speech that I sent you a picture yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And now, students, the moment that you've all been waiting for: the announcement of the king and the queen of Valley High. What is being king and queen all about? Is it about who wears the nicest clothes? I think not. Is it about who's dating the? captain of the football team or who's seeing the head cheerleader i don't think so is it a popularity contest i doubt it i'm going to give you the chance you never gave me when one is honorable when one is disciplined when one is school spirited yes kings and queens they don't grow on trees Everyone can't be a king and a queen. School boy. No, Get up. I remember my prom. I wanted to be the queen. I wasn't. What are you doing, huh? Who have set an example for our whole school with their behavior. They need no introduction because they are not just the king and queen of Valley High. They are Valley High. Your king, your queen. Your queen? Uh, her? Yeah. She, I, th- I think she's been in other Martha Coolidge movies, actually. Kings and queens, they don't grow on trees. I know! So good. She's so good because you could see in her eyes. She's think. She says it too. I'm not like you know being deep or anything, but like the, how she's thinking about her own high school experience. And she's a teacher, and she's almost reliving that every year. She does this prom thing. She's getting emotional, and it means so much to her. And in the background, when they, when I guess our lead and the guy she's with now are going to be named prom queen, king and queen, and. Uh, Cage shows up and he basically crashes the entire thing, which I think is awesome. Um, how she's like experiencing this like deep personal connection to what's happening, and behind her, a fist fight is breaking out. <laughs> and did you notice that like the the male counterpart? I'm pretty sure was the coach who stuck his finger into alcoholic punch and had no problem earlier. <laughs> Yeah. What are you trying to say, Brian? That like this experience, this one person missed out on and cherished, and was sort of chasing her entire life, basically comes down to nothing more than like a food fight by the end of this. Like, there's just like it's prom. It doesn't matter. It's like ultimately, it comes down to nothing. Is that what you're? 
getting at her. Not to jump in here for a second, but the 80s movies led me to believe there'd be much more food fights in my life than we actually ever had. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. I do love, though, how Tommy does a bunch of like what, like kung fu you'd normally get out of like stage performance. Yeah, the karate stuff or whatever. But, Kate, I do want to ask you something, and I made a note in my notes to ask you this because i know you love this film and defend this film but you like as you said you are a feminist so before all this is happening a lot of people online in their reviews have said cage gets pretty stalkery and creepy he like apparently takes random jobs wherever uh she's at oh the cage gets romantic montage yeah if you want to call it cage gets romantic if you want to call it cage gets creepy whatever and i want your opinion on this does he cross the line? Does it get weird? I don't want to like punt this question, but you have to understand that I saw this movie at 13 and I saw this movie. The first scene was his stalker montage because I came into it like two thirds of the way through. So I find it deeply romantic, but at the same time, I was a dumbass 13 year old. Okay, wow. but Kate, wow. <laughs> don't punt this. It's not great, Bob. It's not great, Bob. Yeah, you should not do this. This is not good but, behavior. Okay. But at the same time, I will say this. Have you ever been broken up with out of the fucking blue? Because I have. John Cusack didn't say anything. Yeah, how is this any different than holding the stereo outside of the house? Well, like, it's it's, it's along the same, it's, it's the same Mike, thing. Mike, you and I have watched That's too many right, movies, been on not. too many podcasts, because we're thinking of the same thing. It did remind me of Say Anything Here. And that's not good either, you know? And no, all, at the end, you know, look, there's a whole thing. Like, chivalry. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think, like, should chivalry stay dead? Like, is fighting for somebody when they clearly don't want you in their life? Like, that is not a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it used to be, oh, I'm going to go fight for my girl. Like, no, I hear dude, that. You know? And now point. it's like, uh, just let her be. Like, you I, know? I had a guy break up with me literally out of the blue after he went dark for about six hours on text. He's like, I need more time to run errands and work on my race car so we can't talk to each other anymore. Who have you dated? This is amazing. Sorry, continue. Who haven't you? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, this is a guy who was the godfather of Tokyo sliding in LA. And like, it's, fuck you, Mark. It's Slide Squad 6, whatever the fuck your name was. Fuck you, Mark. And by the way, you can keep that in. <laughs> um, there's articles about that motherfucker. Damn, Mark. Mark. Yeah, fuck you, Mark. Wait, what's um, his full name? Mark Hutchinson. Fuck you. He's like 45 now. I'll see you in hell, motherfucker. Me for tax shit, you for other shit. But the point is, is like <laughs> when you're going... Cut, you could cut that part. Cut the tax part. I will. No, keep it up. Okay, okay, okay. Because that's what I'm going to hell for. Um, but the point is, is like when you're going hot and heavy and then someone pulls the rug out from you because I need more time to work on my errands and work on my race car. I'll send you the text of that shit. It throws you for a loop because like in most relationships, you're kind of like anticipating a breakup. And in this movie, she, like, pulls a rug out from under him for no real reason. So, like, I totally get it. And he's processing it. Maybe he's not processing it healthily, but who the fuck processed a breakup healthily at 17, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's a good way to defend it. I know, like, again, I specifically wanted to ask you because, again, people online have said this movie doesn't age well because of this whole sequence and the fact that he wins in the end for stalking. But I don't think you're wrong in the sense that, like, I feel like a 17-year-old who was broken up with out of nowhere wouldn't just be like, okay, I accept that and I'll move on. Like, that would probably happen. Oh, yeah. 
like now me at 36 if you break up with me out of the blue i'm like whatever i've been there and i got news for you like no guy is gonna do more than one of these things okay like <laughs> he's gonna get tired of this shit real fast and realize i'm not dressing up a different costume every day like this is her <laughs> shit like he's gonna move <laughs> on fuck you mark because Mark never replied to my texts. He's just like, I'm having a lot of trouble managing things. And then that motherfucker is back on online dating in a week and he looked at my profile. I'm like, <laughs> you cunt. You knew what you were doing. Oh, God. Well. <laughs> I, I hope he's got a limp dick and a bad girlfriend by now. <laughs> Sorry. That's staying in. <laughs> Unless you want to edit it. Whatever. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Fuck you, Mark Hutchinson. Slide squad, Mark. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> For tax things on her end. <laughs> you tag him in this too. You tag I'm not going to tag him in this. But oh, I'll tag him. You can tag him all you want. I bet he's on fucking Twitter. He's like 45 years old too. So we, we talked about this like graduate graduate illusions in this. We kind of get a graduate ending because he kind of steals her yeah. from prom and then they just kind of go right off into the sunset. What would you think of this whole uh, ending, I guess? Yeah, so they're going to go consummate their relationship, right? Like, that's the... the I, I, I totally got the graduate vibe, though. Except, like, at the end, I think they're going to actually stay together because she takes that bracelet off and throws it out the window. Like, that was Tommy's bracelet. I think that's, like, the one extra cue where it's like, oh, it's not quite as dark. Uh, plus, they're a little younger than those graduates um, in that movie were. So they can kind of destroy... They won't destroy their entire life because of this in the way that, uh, you know, I feel like uh, Dustin Hoffman's character does in that movie. Ben is, is his name, I think. He just like, that's the end. He's like all or nothing. So I want to do a little side note here. But one of my dream podcasts that I know no one would listen to is a podcast of, like with films about those years where everyone really hated like in your 20s. Well, like everyone looks, oh, being in your 20s is great, but like. You know when you had like your mid twenties crisis, like I don't know what I'm doing with myself, like the Graduate, Saint Elmo's Fire, that kind of stuff. No one would listen to this podcast, but I want to talk about these movies because it's such a important time that I think people ignore. Because again, Kate, almost to your point of like how people ignore stories of that teenage girls love. People really hate on when people are depressed in their 20s because anyone who's not in their 20s is like, fuck you, 20, your 20s are awesome, but your 20s, oh. your 20s are hard. I spent all my 20s in therapy trying to deal with the trauma of my childhood growing up in a cult. Like, no, I get it. So yeah, side note there, I think anyone who like really thinks about it, we're like, oh shit, was I that happy in my 20s? Oh, you weren't. Your 30s are the fucking best. That's all I can tell you. So far, so good. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but yeah the way this movie ends it's interesting but you know what i'm down with it i love it and i left this you know when the movie ended i was like fuck this movie was awesome i was su- i was surprised at how much i enjoyed valley girl i think you guys agree we're gonna have a pretty biased scoring here but we got to talk about our awards but before that was there anything else in the film that you really wanted to talk about or mention so there's, I don't really want to talk about any other scenes, but I just want to give a quick shout out before we come to the end here. It's kind of funny how Kate mentions that this kind of turned into like a college level course at one point on Valley Girl <laughs> itself, because there's actually a friend of the Cage Club podcast network. Her name is Megan Mitchell, and she is the world's foremost Valley Girl academic. She has a PhD on it from independent cinemas and stuff. And so she runs a online 
uh, community called Matchbox Cinema Club. Right now she's in Bristol, but Bristol, England. Uh, yeah. So right now they're in Bristol. Right. She's in Bristol, England. Okay, girl. Um, I lived in Exeter. Cheers. They do tons of progressive stuff for just for the movement of cinema in general like a lot of preservation a lot of like subtitling a lot of just um representation brian they did um that um nowhere trilogy the uh oh greg iraqi yeah yeah, so yeah so she did like a the greg iraqi uh trilogy at one point they do cage related programming keanu related stuff and uh while she was researching this film for her dissertation she noticed something about this movie and it was the woody woodpecker pins that both of the characters um the cage and deborah Foreman character each wear this really sort of eyesore of a woody woodpecker yeah i noticed that i noticed that and it kind of like links them and so she's like yeah i went online to see if anybody else has like caught that and the only other person the only other mention of it was one line in a blog post i wrote about valley girl (gasps) in like 2015 so (laughs) she was like really pissed like jokingly as like i couldn't believe that someone else caught that before me kind of thing but uh, she's great. They're great. All the work they do over there is great. Um, I believe she was on an episode of Cage Club for Between Worlds, which is a really gonzo cage film. Uh, so, like, I just can't come on and talk about Valley Girl without at least mentioning her and her organization. And stuff. All I can say is probably that that pin was Heidi Holicker's because literally half the clothes and, like, accessories in that movie was Heidi Holliker who played Stacey. So what I'm saying is Megan should reach out to Heidi. We should (laughs) all have another fucking podcast because this is magic. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome to hear. It's amazing to like get to do your dissertation on Valley Girl and, but I get it now from watching it. I think this is one of the most underrated films in the genre. And if you think about it, to her, it's a foreign film, right? Like, that crossed my mind, too. Like, the idea of it, the American culture dissection and everything must have been, like, a big part of it. I'd love to read... Um, I'd love to read it someday, but I've not got my hands on it. Not to shit on Bristol, but as someone who lived in Exeter, which was probably about a 30-minute trade ride south, a lot of English culture is American culture. Sorry, Brits. Love you all. (laughs) But I'll say this as like a New Yorker of Latin descent. This did feel like a foreign film to me and I loved it. Really? (laughs) You know, it's it's very different than what I've experienced. But I cannot talk enough about how much I enjoyed this film. It's so fucking Southern California and such like a specific time. It makes me really happy. And all I can say is truly because I've talked about this before in the past probably hour on class number four is that (laughs) LA has lost its grittiness. If you're looking for like the 1995 heat LA, if you're looking for like whatever LA that has existed before, like probably new girl, you're going to lose out except for in Hollywood, that Hollywood, which is still portrayed in Valley girl is still there. Like it's shinier. That's that's amazing. It's still there. Go to Burgundy room, go to elbow room. Like you will meet crusty punks because they're my friends, and like you will have a great time. <laughs> well, Kate, when we take high school slumber party to LA, you got to make your return, and Don't worry. we'll meet some of your friends. All my crusty punk <laughs> friends, yeah. I've definitely had to like swat away someone with their mohawk in my eye at the Viper Room at a lag wagon show because he's been a little shit, and like I felt like he was purposely poking <laughs> in my eye. Oh man, 
So let's get into our awards. Yeah, yeah. Although we, the one thing we haven't mentioned is that Cameron died ran with George Clooney for a very long time. And he's married to Laura Jansiacomo um, from Just Shoot Me and from oh. uh, Pretty uh, Woman. Wait, do you say, did you say he ran with George Clooney for a while? <laughs> I talk like an old man, yes. <laughs> like they they used to pal around he was part of this. So, like i was obsessed with valley girl back in 1998 that was his imdb trivia back then him and the guy from Amazing. jimkata hurt something but this is this is return of the killer tomatoes george clooney this isn't like batman forever george clooney oh god no about, so. no, no, no. <laughs> what's the what's the guy kurt it's not kurt russell it's kurt thomas jimkata i don't know no? You guys don't fucking know Jim Cotta and the Village of Crazy. Oh, I, oh, I know Jim Cotta. Yeah, 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 yeah. The star of Jim Cotta, Kurt Thomas. He was also part of that crew, as far as I know. Good, That's good to know. Definitely, <laughs> definitely good. And then Clooney palled up with uh, Heslov and made a bunch of movies yeah. together and shit. Lame. Grant. Lame. Mm. All right. Well, Wooderson Award. Is there a character <laughs> in this film, Valley Girl? who was not focused on enough that you would like to see more of. Yeah, Frederick Forrest, Julie's dad, done. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I love the parents here. Yeah, I thought I thought he actually had like a quite a quite an extended role considering we didn't meet any of the other parents really. We met one other parent. I was going to actually uh, say George Clooney's best friend Cameron, Cameron Dye, you know, Fred Bailey. I mean, that's fair too. I like them both. <laughs> <laughs> Because he kind of disappears, and then he comes back and saves Cage's life from that uh, incident on the strip. Which I thought was awesome. And it's like, where's, he been? where's he been? building love with uh, Stacy, because Heidi That's Holocaust right. said that they ended up together. This is my favorite fucking thing about this movie, is every character played it like they were the main character, and they all tended to be surprised that Julie and Randy were the ones who won out in the end. It's amazing. I mean, I, I don't disagree. All right, so opposite award, though. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would have made this film better? Yeah, fuck you, Tommy. Tommy, but you, but but you can't get rid of that but entire character, him. right? I, I mean, him. you could maybe just keep mentioning him and never show him. But <laughs> you, have to, like, you have to at least name him at some point in the movie, right? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> so he's worse to you than your favorite character to quote on some of the episodes, Perfect Tommy. Tommy, perfect Tommy's amazing and beautiful. This Tommy is such a date raping asshole. Fuck you, I'll see you in hell. By the way, that's that's not a knock against Michael Bowen. The problem is Michael Bowen played him so rapely that he made him so hateable. Which is yeah, I get it. Mike, do you know what movie Perfect Tommy is from? No. <gasps> I don't think so. Oh, you're you're that's offending that. Kate Hudson. Oh. I might know. What you I've tell offended me. Kate Hudson so many times, but not knowing who Perfect Tommy was, that's why I bring it up. Oh, oh, from fucking uh, Buckaroo Bonds. Yes! There you go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, this is, apologies, apologies. This all is around. why when Dad Number Two you, from the Cage Club podcast comes around, he's always welcome. Dad Number One shits on our favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know who Well, because you know what the sad thing is, though, is like, I went my entire life thinking Lewis Smith was Guy Pierce. So, like... <laughs> okay, guys, I don't want to interrupt this, but Keith Coogan just liked the tweet about me asking him to come on High School Slumber Party. Oh, my God. Please, Keith Coogan, come on High School Slumber Party. I'm going to text you right now. This is as it happens. By the way, the amount of tweets you've tweeted during this podcast is amazing. <laughs> And I appreciate it. Double digits I'm, at this point. I'm 
drunk. I love I love coming on this show because it feels like just hanging out with my friends. Well, that's good. That's a slumber party, right? We're having a slumber <laughs> party together. Talking about yeah. Valley Girl. So, uh, who, what was the award? Long Dong Award. Mike, are you eliminating anyone else besides the main foil? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe Samantha, the girl that Cage goes back to the club and like has oh, he didn't like even talk about that five minute no, makeout she, scene. She gets her boobs out, and I don't feel guilty about that, so you shouldn't get rid of her. <laughs> That's his ex. He's like been broken up for two months and stuff. Like it's amazing how much you get from that one minute with them together. But uh, I don't know. I thought it would have been good to maybe have seen her at least one more time or not at all like it just felt like that type of character to me like who's this all of a sudden and then like oh okay and then she's just like completely gone then she was tits mcgee so that's all she was literally the one of the four scenes that martha coolidge had to get tits out in for sure yeah well i really hope that i'm a good editor this weekend and i can edit this podcast good because both of you have like if (laughs) if i were gonna say my top 10 longest so my top five longest podcast the oh, for sure, you, this one. The both of you would be responsible for it. But now we're going to have the longest one because we're probably going to double the <laughs> runtime of this film. hours long. We've talked about fucking out Valley Girl for I'm two just, times the movie. I'm just saying two-parter episode, Brian. I mean, you know, you could really extra content. I'm trying not to do those anymore. As far as you can. I might have to do it, honestly. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, I'm just just a prediction. I'm guessing Breaking Dawn Part 2 is going to be at least two episodes. Because I, no, I don't, I, well, because I thought we're going to do a Breaking Dawn Part 2 and then a recap of the entire saga. Yes, yes. So you're going to be on a lot in, <laughs> towards the end of this Maybe this we year. can get Keith Coogan to talk about Breaking Dawn Part 2 because he already liked the tweet. That would just blow my mind. I don't even want to go into that. Regardless. <laughs> Amazing if we get Keith Coogan, like if we get fucking motherfucking Keith Coogan to talk about Twilight, <laughs> I won't be a shit. I think if we're at a party and Keith Coogan puts some moves on, you consider it. Oh yeah, he's Keith Coogan. Listen, he already liked it. Go and be like, I'd love to have you on any episode, especially an Adventures in Babysitting trivia one. Whatever it is, I'll have him on, but maybe not Twilight. But, no, I mean. Go message him because he liked it. I mean, he's liked stuff before. I need to, I'll have Keith you know, regardless. I said Keith King of 80s slumber high school movies. Any interest in coming on high school slumber party and talking about your favorite high school movie with us? Uh, he liked it. That is a fucking get. Go close the kill. We got it. Mike, you a Keith Coogan fan? Well, I mean, like, I breathe air, right? Like, <laughs> I drink water, right? Like, Should I message him? Yeah. I just, I, 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 I him, you got to make this work. Brian, go message, go like, be like, seriously, Keith, we'd love to have you. Kate does he have, an, does he have Mike, an open Twitter message thing? He's not like, blah. I don't know. I just already messaged the guy from Ted Lasso for my friend Bone, who didn't ban me. <laughs> well, that's, well, well, let's wrap this up, and then I'll look into the Keith Coogan thing. Please do. Or just respond on that thing, because it's Keith motherfucking Coogan. I want to talk about Twilight with Keith Coogan, just like I want to talk about finger banging and fear with Carly Talbot. That's that, what I bring to this podcast. That did series. happen. That did happen. So, Mike, if you ever want to do a Gerard Butler series, you let Keith Hudson know. <laughs> I said this twice. I'm not kidding. I fucking love Gerard Butler. Cameron Fry Award. <laughs> yeah, any- awkward silence. Go on. Did anyone look? Did anyone look too old to be a high schooler in this film? Oh, Fred did. God bless Cameron Die, but yeah, yeah. Fred looked about 30, 10 years too old, and I'm That's sure who he I wrote wasn't. Down. Yeah, God bless. He's married. He was married to yeah. Laura Sanchez-Como for a while, so he's good. Yeah, I agree. Like you would think, Cage is not a teenager in this movie, but he totally was, and it's uh, 
you know, so he might, he, he's just one of those like. Hairy chested hot boys. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say older high school <laughs> kids in the sense, like there was always, you know, three or four of those guys that were like fully matured before they even got to high school. So like, I feel like Cage was in that boat. The one thing I wrote down, I wrote down Fred for this award, but then I was like, isn't it weird that, again, at least to me, that the kids dressed like my mom dressed? And the parents dressed how I dressed, if that makes sense. That's because you're a fucking hipster, Brian. Apologies. <laughs> now everything's reversed. But, you know, I'm t-shirt and jeans, whatever. And the, the kids are, like, in this polyester shit and this, like, puffy shit. You know what I mean? Oh, that was that was the style. Like, like every decade had its color, pattern, tone, or whatever. Like, I feel like the 80s were very pastel and the 90s were, like, neon, you know? Like, yeah. And then the 2000s are just black. Well, like... <laughs> So I'm the oldest of my family, and my mom had me when she was 20. So she was a so she oh, was a, a baby. She was a kid of the 80s, so she dressed like the characters in this because she was born in 64. So she was 20 and 84. So she's not as young as these kids, but no, like, but she's Nick's cage like air like age in fucking Valley Girl. Yeah. So exactly. So I see these characters. Almost as like, you know, like she dressed like, not exactly, she wasn't like so outdated when I was born or anything, but like she dressed similarly to these characters. So I see them as that. So it's kind of weird to me if that makes sense. Do you ever have your mom on as like someone who just cursed John Cusack? (laughs) My mom has very, very, very hard opinions on things I like. So and she didn't even know I like it. She's just not a fan of Cusack and not a fan of a lot of other stuff. I know. I'd love to talk to her about a Cusack movie. (laughs) No. Wouldn't you, Mike? Which one? (laughs) It doesn't matter. She fucking hates Cusack. She thinks he's dark sighted. Yeah, my mom's not not down for podcasts. I don't think she even knows what podcasts are, but that's fine. I don't I don't know if I'd be comfortable with support from my family for this. (laughs) 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 I didn't grow up in a in that kind of home where it's like, oh, great, you did this project, you know, so uh, I'm good with it. <laughs> you didn't grow up in the Rickman household? Is that it? <laughs> my mom used to read my pajama stuff and be like, oh, that's funny, Kate. <laughs> and that's all she'd contribute. Who's this Jojo Siwa? She seems interesting. Well, she she really likes the idea of my new site where, like, supernatural creatures write about pop culture news. She's like, oh, Zeus could write about Olive Garden. That'd be funny. <laughs> well, I want to hear all about it during our plug section because this is the first time I hear about it. We're actually talking about it, yeah. All right, so Rotten Tomatoes, 83% by critics, 72% by audience, but F that. Kate, I don't know if you lost your Rotten Tomatoes accreditation, but at one point you did. It's only good for fucking Pajiba and fuck Pajiba. Go on. Oh my God! So you're not you're no longer an accredited Rotten Tomatoes reviewer. I believe you'll get it. You'll get it back at some point. But I will. I will. Regardless, we don't care about that here. We grade on the A plus to F scale. F minus. F minus doesn't exist. Whatever. We grade on the report card scale here in High School Slumber Party. So, Mike, as I'm going to call you more senior here because you were on my first episode ever. <gasps> okay, go with the white guy first. Go on. It's just it's oh. just an age thing. Oh. He's just fooling oh. you. I'm literally just like the old guy on the on the network. Like, I always get to go first. We're like two hours of two hours, two years behind this. But go on, go on. Let the white guy go first on the the movie written and directed and starring a woman. Go on. Don't make me feel bad. I was. Just... <laughs> I'm going to. Go on. Well, okay, Mike. I'll be the bad guy. You go first. <laughs> what will you grade, Valley Girl? Like. 
a, like totally an A plus, yep. like for sure. I mean, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Bitchin. It's not grody. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's terrific. And I didn't see. I didn't watched it five times this year like Kate did, but. Um, <laughs> I might watch it another five times this year. You know, I remember where we only have about a month and a half left in this year, but uh, damned if it wasn't great revisiting this movie. It's excellent. How about you, Kate? A plus plus. This is my fucking favorite movie. It's why it's on the Hudson Five, baby. Ding ding ding. ding. I'm gonna give it an A. Straight A's all around. I had such a blast watching this film. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's ahead of its time and I think it's something that it wasn't on streaming as you mentioned Kate for a while so I think I hope it gets like a second revival because it is one of these films that should be considered an 80s teen classic sure I don't know what my answer is going to be for this next question but it's Sleeping Bag what is your oh, Valley Girl Sleeping Bag going to look like okay Mike it's simple I'm just going to just throw this I'm using the same Sleeping Bag cage used in the movie the one that he slept out on the front yard with <laughs> Fair, fair. That's a good one. I didn't think about that. How about you, Kate? Mine's going to be an 80s credit card thing, so it's going to look like a credit card, but it'll also have a metal thing to sort of seal me in as well. Ooh. So all I wrote down was what the t-shirt looks like for the health food store. Yes. That's my sleeping bag. What does it say on it? I forget what it says. Uh, I wrote it down. Food health or something. It's like a really dumb dad joke. Your health. I think it says your health. Something stupid. Yeah. And that was also like an insult. Like, you're totally health, right? Like, that was about, wasn't that like a valley insult at the same Something time? Like or no? I don't know, but it's yeah. cool. It's simple. The dad went to Woodstock, whatever. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> he went to Nam, man. What are you kidding? He was in. No, he got <laughs> out of off Nam. That damn boat. Yeah, he got out of Nam, and then he did Woodstock, and then like thousand, like Man March or whatever bullshit. You know too much about this, Dad, but I love it. I fucking love it. All right. People have been not understanding this question the last couple times when I've had two guests on. (laughs) But you guys get one pick each. So No, I need two. (sighs) Again. Okay. All right. Mike, then think of two. I already, I mentioned my other pick. I only have one because I I exhausted, if you listen back, I had mentioned two other movies I was going to save for this. So pick one of those because Kate has two and I feel guilty because I want to hear them. So if... If okay. the three you know of us, what they are. You know what they are. <laughs> well, okay. We'll see. So the three of us are at a magical blockbuster with all films ever. We get to the front counter and it says, rent two movies, get one free. We know we're renting Valley Girl. And I say to the two of you in some weirdo definition of what I just said, but go back, pick two movies, bring it back to the counter. We'll watch all of them on our long slumber party because... We've been on here a long time. We might as well pick as it's many as possible. It's been three hours since we started recording. So yeah. uh, hopefully I can edit this down. Regardless. No, three hours for Valley Girl, motherfuckers. We're doing it. I believe in you, Brian. Or it's going to be two oh. episodes. I mean, it might no, be just, two episodes. Just go for it. No, it might be two episodes. We'll put it that way. So, Kate, you can go first. What two movies should we watch with Valley Girl? And then you, Mike, what two movies should we watch with Valley Girl? Well, no one should be surprised by this, but because this is a Nick Cage movie, we're going to go with Peggy Sue Got Married. I think it was my first episode ever with you. It's one of my yes. favorites. Can I take a little segue? I love this. Go so so I was reading your Pajiba stuff, and I'm like, oh, Kate would be awesome to have on the podcast. So I reached out to you. You got it back to me almost instantly with a paragraph of like your love of fear street <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, cool. So I'm like... <laughs> I was like, I have a list of films. What movie would you like to be on? And you're like, oh, cool. Send me the list. And literally two minutes later, you're like, I don't know why I said that. I want to be on Peggy Sue Got Married. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, it's one of my favorite movies. So Peggy Sue got married, and I need you to temper your revulsion. But fucking Conair, this Fine. is the Nick. This is, <laughs> you have to let me have this. This is a Nick Cage like slumber party, and we're doing it. Oh, it's not as random. It. it makes sense. I'll let you have Conair. Yeah, thank totally. you. I watch Conair all the time. Uh, so I've got one movie I mentioned earlier that. Also star not stars, well, Deborah Foreman's in it, and that is The Experts from 1989 with John Travolta and Kelly Preston. And here's the little blurb on Google. The KGB shanghais a hip New Yorker and his sidekick to teach square spies how to act like Americans. Um, it's actually directed by Dave Thomas, so I didn't know that about it. Yeah, was it the founder of Wendy's? No, no. Half of Strange Brew, like the Canadian... Oh, okay. Canadian... Oh, yeah. yeah, so he direct. I didn't realize he directed it. He actually has a small role in it as well. But uh, I love that movie, The Experts. I think it's hilarious, and uh, she's in it. And I think it's uh, that's a cute one. So that's number one. Uh, my other movie. So this movie is very special to me. Like maybe even more special than this movie. Um, <gasps> yeah, if you can believe it. And so the director is on record as saying that this movie was directly influenced by his love of the film Valley Girls, if you could believe it. And that movie is 1984's Night of the Comet. Oh, I've seen um, that movie. <laughs> maybe the movie I've seen the most in my life after like Planet of the Apes, probably. You've told me about this film. And yeah, so it's like Kelly Maroney and Catherine Mary Stewart. They're pretty big mainstays of 80s stuff. Um, you know, Catherine Mary Stewart's been in everything from like Weekend at Bernie's to The Last Starfighter to The Apple. Uh, tons of stuff. And, um, you know, Kelly Maroney is the cheerleader. Most She's in Chopping Mall, but she's also the cheerleader Chopping in Fast Times. Chopping Mall, yes. But Night of the Comet, here's the little blurb on IMDb. A comet wipes out most of life on Earth, leaving two valley girls fighting against cannibal zombies and a sinister group of scientists. And within like the first 10 minutes of this movie, there's a Valley Girl poster and a Valley Girl soundtrack, I think, also, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's lots of nods to the movie. It's essentially like, what if two girls from this movie survive the apocalypse like what would happen and also if their father was like a military guy that trained them how to use weapons so they could defend themselves so that's definitely uh, my number one pick for the night that's awesome that's awesome so it's no gonna top that so it's a good thing i went last i guess <laughs> no fuck you con air tops con air is like a trump card like it always wins it's like, the greatest like, movie on. of all time i could do a podcast series just Put about con air back in the ball uh, i banned what? con air from kate's picks but he did it's related for, to cage so i'll allow it <laughs> he can't he can't keep me from my one true love you know i watched that movie once a month i've seen it so many times how how many times like from january to now have you seen con air seven so, so more so more than no. belly girl no, well, we're on month 11, so probably 11 plus 3. What's 11 plus 3? 14? Done. Good math right there. Is that all <laughs> the movies know, we're recommending? Do you know the only thing I watch more than Con Air is Law & Order SVU episodes? So, Kate, I was going to say, I appreciate you coming on. I'm looking at Twitter right now, and everyone's talking about like an SVU premiere today. <gasps> And yes, Olivia Benson is going to racially pro. Do you know what's more important than that? My friends for my birthday in late October pulled their money together and got me iced tea to give me a cameo. It's the greatest oh, fucking thing I've ever seen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Iced tea is awesome. But yeah, I mean, SVU uh, premiered tonight and you sacrificed yep. that to be on 
the Valley Girl episode. I'm sure you didn't, you weren't aware when you scheduled it, but whatever. No, Nick Cage trumps SVU for sure. Always and forever. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's something where this is probably going to be two episodes because as I look at the time, again, I'm going to edit this down. It's three hours and 13 minutes on my end. So this is not going to be one episode. Apologies, Mike, for keeping you from whatever you might have had. And I got nothing going on, man. You're not keeping me from anything. Isn't this magic, (laughs) though, Mike? aging slowly. No, no, Mike. I know you guys keep it tight on all of your and Joey's, like, podcasts, but isn't it fun to just, like, shoot the fucking shit on the shit? Try to keep it tight, but love to cut it loose, you know? Like, (laughs) uh, we'll always always indulge if given the opportunity. I'm surprised you didn't go into the losing it theme song right there, because you usually do when you say the word loose. Oh, well, I didn't say losing it. Oh, I just did. (laughs) Losing it. Well, Mike, uh, where can people follow you, find you? I know you have a new show out, a new once a month Ooh. show, and uh, what, whatever oh, else yeah. you're involved with. And Third Time's a Charm. I was just on Die Hard 3. I was going to mention, if this is an L.A. film, Die Hard 3, a New York film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we get into it on the podcast, how it's almost like a uh, time capsule of New York. A lot of stuff in there. The skyline has changed quite a bit since that movie. But yeah, so Third Time's a Charm every third of the month. There's only one third of the month, but... At the third of every month, new episode, third time's a charm, at least until this March, which is the third year anniversary, which I'm most likely going to cut the cord and stop doing the show, unless I, uh, as I've been teasing mostly on this podcast, if I pull a Jordan Belfort and just say, the show must go on, we will see. It's going to come down to kind of like a coin flip situation, maybe. Just trying to build a narrative (laughs) to get people interested to listen, to see what happens. Um... But the big news is, yes, I am on a new show on the network, me and Dan Cologne. It's called The Monsters That Made Us. And uh, we are going back and starting with the Universal Monster movies. And we are going to watch all of those in order. There are 31 in-canon movies uh, in that original run of Universal Monsters. So we're going to get to that. A lot of of Wolfmen, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, you know, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. All the classics, uh, who else is there? Abbott and Costello show up. Uh, They're not quite monsters, but I mean, I guess, you know, we'll see. Uh, And yeah, so that's that's the last Friday of every month. So come over and check that out. Right now, you could listen to our episode of the 1925 Phantom of the Opera episode starring the Man of a Thousand Faces, Lon Chaney. Not Lon Chaney Jr., who's the Wolfman, correct? No, but we'll get to him soon enough. Absolutely. Yeah, quite a legacy uh, that family has left, for sure. Well, Mike, you chose that over our classic pro wrestling show. We could be talking about the Macho Man right now. Well, you know, here's the thing, Brian. This show is not my idea. This was Dan Colon's idea. I am joining him on this endeavor. So that does not mean that this, you know, this wrestling show that that show cannot still keep going. I mean, if you want to start it, I will join you. We will figure something out. But I know we've got a lot of ideas and, you know, on the back burner. So uh, if anybody we'll get to it. Does they live? I'm a subject matter expert as well. Then they live. Wow. Ooh. Mike and I have been, uh, well, you know, sending a little bit of messages about they live lately. That's 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 uh, some my letterbox top four. Yeah. Subject matter expert. I used to be a bartender. And I got many a people converted to that movie in Washington, D.C. in 2008. Did you used to be Roddy Piper as well? Because that'd be cool, too. No, but I used to loudly, like, 
yell at any room I entered in. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. Right now, I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Great. Just one of the best promos ever cut. <laughs> right? That <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Well, Kate, I feel like this whole podcast was a very good pr- promo for you, but uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, you didn't tell me about this, but you have a, a new website out, and uh, we want to hear all about it. What are you up to lately, Kate? Well, I launched a site called The Beatrix. It's B-E-A-T-R-I-X-Y.com. And it's where I and vampires and werewolves and ghosts write about pop culture news. I'm not going to promise it gets updated a lot. I'm going to promise it gets updated enough to get me the tax break. So if you miss me on Pajiba, all the weird shit you enjoyed is going to be on there. And, uh, you know, just come find me on Twitter and tell Keith Coogan to come on this website. I'm glad to hear it. My good friend who's been on the podcast before, Jenny O'Connell, she was like, when is Kate Hudson going to launch her own thing? Now she knows the answer. So appreciate that. And that's awesome. And Kate, just letting you know, stay awake, stay alive, stay, I don't want to say stay, stay sober. (laughs) Vigilant. Vigilant. No, I'm not Vigilant, yes. I, all I can tell you guys is that I will be following the story I created of Gerard Butler voicing the Smash Mouth biopic of CGI dogs very closely. All right. Well, that, yes. But you, ha- <laughs> you have to come back before the end of the year to talk Twilight, uh, talk how we're going to end it, you know, set up our next season of Twilight Forever. And who knows? Keith Coogan might be on before the end of the year. <gasps> I would love nothing more than to get Keith Coogan, that Mike Newton from Twilight, and Charlie Talbot to commit to doing Twilight Next Lap with you, me, and occasionally Joe, because that would fucking rock. <laughs> well, any any final words, or, or are we good to finally end this three-hour and 20-minute-long recording of Valley Girl? I just want to say this uh, podcast has been truly dazzling. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What a blast. What a blast that was. That was entertaining. That was sensational. That was truly dazzling, as Kate put it. Apologies if we offended anyone. Hopefully we entertained you, though. God, I love Kate Hudson. I love Mike Manzi. What a fun episode. And I just wanted to clarify some things and correct some things, because clearly towards the end, you could hear we were fading, and our memory was lacking a bit, and our words were slurring a bit but it was all in good fun we had a good safe healthy valley girl time one thing i did want to say though as of now reached out to keith coogan on twitter he has not replied he hearted my response but he did not reply to it so as of now keith coogan is not booked on high school slumber party womp womp (laughs) that's okay a couple other things i wanted to mention i don't know why i said that my mother had me when she was 20. She actually was 23. I know that doesn't matter to you, but I felt like correcting that. And the health food store. We never clarified what the name on the t-shirt is or, or what it says. And it actually says food for health. It's like a pale yellow t-shirt with black writing. I don't know. I really liked it. I liked the font. Whatever. <laughs> so I really hope you guys enjoyed our episode on Valley Girl, both episodes. And remember, check them both out on cageclub.me, or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you want to be like, hey, I don't remember what happened in part one, listen again. And if you didn't, if you listened to both these episodes and didn't watch Valley Girl, watch Valley Girl, people. 
It's awesome. I hope we really, really convinced you of that. So we have some homework for next week. I know you're getting a little bit tired on this Friday evening curled up in your sleeping bag, but I gotta assign some weekend homework. And the weekend homework is, well, we're bringing on our true crime expert, our true crime fan, you know, Alexandra Schroeder. Alex is going to be here. And guess what the film she picked is called? True Crime. Her father was her idol. Your father wasn't who you think he was. He'd die in the line of duty, Mary. And now that he's gone... You know I'd be a good cop. Don't you have piano lessons or something? She's going to pick up... Mary, I wouldn't go back there if I were you. ...where he left off. Tell me what you have on the Don Levy case. The last thing I need is for some snot-nosed junior miss giving me advice. Stop talking about Kathleen like she's some kind of statistic. This isn't in a magazine, it's real. Margie's little sister is dead. You don't have access to files or any kind of information. Mom snakes you're doing this, you're dead meat. Yeah, yeah, I know. Go. Hey, sure lie. Do you know that guy? Tony Campbell, a new cadet. Every time you meet a guy, you start talking about the five different kinds of head wounds. We can work together. You know it's against regulations for a cadet to be investigating anything. Why are you after this guy? She could have been me. She's acting like a total psycho. You got to break into the records room. Now it's my turn. You want to see what happens to little girls when they stay out all night? Oh, my God. You guys ain't cops. Wait! There was a blue car in the parking lot. We have a suspect. An ex-con named Earl Parkins. Meet me at the Mini Mart 9. I need to talk to you. I don't want to scare you. I'm afraid. A cop has to distinguish between fact and fantasy. What if I prove my instincts are right? We're going to work together. You got to trust me. Why should I? It's a guy with no reason to kill. Earl didn't do it. It's Mary Giordano. I need to talk to you. I can't believe you've been doing exactly what I told you not to do. I thought you said you didn't have a car. I don't. Then why is there a blue Malibu parked in your garage? I need to get an APB on the teletype right away. Maybe dangerous. Did she say where she was going? Did she say anything? No! I'm not gonna hurt you, Mary. And this little diddly of a film stars Alicia Silverstone. It's from 1994. I think there was another true crime made after it. No, it's not that one. Come on. This is High School Slumber Party. It's the Alicia Silverstone version. And speaking of Alicia Silverstone, she's a nominee and a popular one, if you want a little bit of a clue, for our High School Slumber Party Hall of Fame. And guess what? Our Hall of Fame show is going to be a week from today where we're going to break down all the first class of inductees, of Hall of Famers. And again, we're inducting actors and filmmakers who you could not write the history of teen films without. I chose a select panel of past guests to be the voters, so this voting was not open to the slumbers, just to this very, very select group of VIPs. And I can't wait to hear who gets in our first class. But that's a week from today. Monday's episode, again, is True Crime with one of my favorite guests, Alex Schroeder. Easy movie to track down. Check it out. A couple other things before I let you go and let you hit the hay and go to bed. Once again, apologies to the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski. You know we all mean it in good fun. You're the best. You're the reason 
we have a high school slumber party and you're always welcome on that's for sure just a gentle ribbing for uh yeah mainly from kate for you not liking the adventures in babysitting episode <laughs> well no to be clear you liked the episode i think i think everyone liked the episode you weren't so high on the film as kate hudson and i were but again guys if you want to know what i'm talking about listen to that one in the archives I guess apologies to Kate's ex-boyfriend, the race car driver, but she didn't seem like she wanted to apologize there, so we'll just leave that out in the open. Oh, big thank you to Deborah Foreman for class participating and commenting on our Instagram. Mind blown. That was so awesome. One more thing. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with another song from the Valley Girl soundtrack. And I can't believe we've yet to play a song from this musician because it's so iconic for the film. She's Josie Cotton. He could be the one. Later, dudes. Go.